Today on Points for Tryin', we're giving some inventions points for flying. Hey everyone, welcome back to Points for Tryin', the show where we celebrate ideas and inventions that weren't successful, but are still worth remembering. I'm Brandon. And I'm Jessica. And today we'll explore the inventors, the visionaries, the heroes that dared ask one question. How can I take this thing that doesn't fly and make it fly? At first glance, an airplane and a submarine might seem like a great combination. After all, an airplane kind of looks like a submarine with wings, and both use propellers to travel. In the 1930s, the Soviet Union saw the potential and started design work on what became the Ushakov LPL flying submarine. The design basically consists of a seaplane with a submarine's conning tower where the cockpit would go, and looks like it belongs in an episode of Thomas the Tank Engine instead of on a battlefield. But what it lacks in practicality, it makes up for in number of engines. With three propellers in the front to take it through the air, and a smaller propeller in the rear for when it's underwater. In the race to actually build a flying submarine, the Soviets were beaten by an American RC enthusiast, Donald Reed, who designed and built the Reed RFS-1 in 1961. The design was similar to the Ushakov and managed to fly for 75 feet and dive about 10 feet underwater. Before you try and rent one for your next beach vacation, you should know that the cockpit wasn't watertight and relied on the pilot using an aqualung while submerged. So really, it's less of a flying submarine and more of an airplane that's trying to drown you. <laughs> that sounds like a terrible invention. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't literally supposed to, but yeah, there, like there's no air in the cockpit. You just have to have a scuba tank. Oh, I feel like this should not have left the R&D stages. I don't know. It, se it actually seems kind of fun. You know, it was a prototype that a do-it-yourself guy kind of put together himself out of spare parts that he found, and I'm sure it was an absolute blast to, to fly around for all 75 feet of that. I think he should have done more with the submarine part to make it waterproof and let the flying part come later. Also, I'd be curious to know how they were going to get the water out of the cockpit once you came back up or was it like a once and done thing and that was it well it probably just drains out right once you go back above the water you're just leaking while you're flying around open up the door as you're flying <laughs> tilt off to one side let it all drain out yeah yeah yeah. tilt back up and close the door maybe do a barrel roll and it all flows falls out the top <laughs> I think this one illustrates a point where, you know, when you try to combine two things, like it's a combination of X and Y, you're really left with a shitty X and a shitty Y. Like if you put an airplane and a submarine together, it's a plane that can barely fly and it's a submarine that can only go just below the water. While also letting in all of the water. <laughs> Presumably they were going to fix that in later versions. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they'd like you to think. <laughs> the water? No, no, we meant for that to happen. That's uh, We'll take care of that one later. <laughs> yeah. Version 2.0. <laughs> this is my thing about that. 
I think that this would have been a really great idea had they focused a little bit more on the submarine aspect of it. It took a lot of science to be able to get people under the water and not crushed and not drowned and having oxygen. Three things I love. Exactly. So the, the flying part, yes, there's a lot of science behind that too, but at least there's oxygen out there that you can breathe. And I feel like, I feel like focusing on the underwater part first and then just throwing the propellers on the front later. That's a very controversial topic we're stumbling into is, is it harder to make a submarine and then turn it into one that can fly? Or is it harder to make an airplane and then turn it into one that can go underwater? I don't know. It's an argument maybe we don't want to get in the middle of. We should talk about what they look like because they are pretty goofy. So the uh, the Soviet Ushakov LPL, it honestly looks like they took a submarine model and then glued wings to it. And even the wings are kind of very aquatic animal, like manta ray shaped with like the, you know, shark fins on the back. Absolutely. Very cool looking. This picture makes it look like they took a machine gun turret from a tank and put it on top of a submarine and then stuck wings onto it. But in the other pictures, I can see that that's clearly a radio antenna. I think it's a periscope, you know, it being a submarine. All of these pictures are kind of speculative because there's not a whole lot of evidence from the Soviet Union. But a lot of the pictures have some sort of like periscope coming out the top. Maybe it's a snorkel too, so they can breathe. Who knows? <laughs> the the whole aircraft can go underneath, except for that two feet that needs to stick above and get the oxygen in. Yeah, I mean, that would probably work. They kind of thought it through fairly well too. Like once it lands on the water, panels would close up around the engines so the engines didn't get wet. And the propeller in the back was powered by a separate electric motor. So, like, I don't know, but the there's really no getting around that airplanes have to be really lightweight and submarines have to be really strong to deal with pressure. Do these propellers in the front function while under the water, or was it just the rear propellers that functioned underwater? Yeah, only the small propeller in the back actually did anything when the, the submarine was underwater. And, in fact, the three airplane-style propellers... Probably just sit there creating an enormous amount of drag. Uh, I don't think they like fold it up or anything. I'm not a scientist, but I think that's a very good guess. <laughs> Based on my understanding of propellers. Yeah, so Donald Reed kind of made his own from parts of other airplanes and other machines and whatnot. And it appears to have worked at least a little bit. It did fly, and it did go underwater at least once. <laughs> There's a story. I don't know if this is just a legend or whatnot, but one of the articles did say that he was inspired to create this when one of the sets of wings from one of his mo one of his RC airplanes fell onto a model submarine he was building. That's trippy. That's just too much like Reese's peanut butter. Like you got chocolate on my peanut butter. Like you got wings all over my submarine. <laughs> 
a happy little coincidence. Yeah, that that one's too goofy to be true. I I don't know. It makes sense that they would have been looking to develop something like this. Both of these being somewhat new technologies, at least in the 30s when it was initially dreamt up. Yeah. And you're coming out of World War One, and then even what was developed in the 60s, I mean, coming out of World War Two with all of the German U-boats having the ability to go from underwater to flying. If you had a U-boat that was coming after you with a with a torpedo, were you able to get out of the water and fly away? That would save a lot of lives. Oh, yeah. Or alternatively, if you had a plane coming at you and you were able to dive underwater to a depth that their bombs or their guns weren't going to be able to get you. I mean, it makes sense that they would want to do this. I just feel like, you know, they're very disparate things and maybe they should have worked on the... I'm going to go back to They should have worked on the submarine part first. (laughs) Today's episode of Points for Trying is brought to you by Airplanes. Lightweight, streamlined, and highly maneuverable, airplanes are the top choice for all of your flying needs. Visit your nearest airport and come see why five out of five pilots recommend them. Airplanes, they're good at flying because that's all they do. Okay, so making a submarine fly didn't work out that well. So instead, let's try it with something even heavier and even less aerodynamic. That's right, a tank. Tanks were a big part of World War II, and every country wanted to deploy them as fast as possible to as many places as possible. A common method of getting things to the battlefield was with gliders. A cargo airplane would tow them until they got to the front lines where they would be released and silently glide to a landing. This concept worked well enough that Soviet designers tried to cut out the middleman and attach wings directly to the tank. This would have also had the benefit of allowing the tank to land with its crew already inside it. As you can tell by just looking at a picture of the tank, they're not particularly aerodynamic. In order to fly at all, an already small T-60 tank had to be lightened as much as possible. This left a vehicle with only bare minimum things like armor, ammunition, and fuel. Even with this drastic weight savings, the first test had to be ended early when the tow plane had trouble pulling the tank fast enough for it to fly. Eventually, larger cargo planes were introduced that allowed tanks to keep their arms and legs inside the vehicle whenever they're being delivered by air. Also, not for nothing, but when you take all of the armor off in order to make it light enough to hopefully fly, A tank is therefore very, very susceptible to damage and not a very good tank. (laughs) (laughs) No shit. It's just a really, really slow method of walking around. You mean tanks are really uh, supposed to have guns and fuel and armor? (laughs) Yep, yep. And most tanks work best with, at the very least, the armor. If not, if, even if you can't fight back, you can at least prevent yourself from being annihilated. <laughs> this seems like a, a pretty bad trade-off of like, well, we need to get the tank to the battlefield faster, 
So let's rip off everything that makes it useful as a tank. To me, this seems like if an ambulance driver, like, shoved the patient out of the back just so they could get to the hospital faster. I think we've forgotten something, Billy. (laughs) Like, you got there faster, but... (laughs) I don't know. So technically, it's not a flying tank because it can't take off by itself. But they actually did manage to get at least one tank to fly in the air. It's a biped. A biped? No, that's not what I'm looking up. It's got two wings. So it's very old-timey, you know, Wright Brothers Flyer-esque. It's the the two wings kind of connected together and his tail sticking out. So this is the, the bare minimum of let's just strap wings to a tank. <laughs> it's also worth noting the tanks they were using were really barely tanks. Oh, that is very small. Yeah, I mean, it's a small little tank. It's got like a little tiny gun. It would be a small SUV today. It'd be the size of my Toyota Matrix. (laughs) Gliding into enemy territory. I really want someone to put wings on a Toyota Matrix. (laughs) (laughs) All right, when I'm done with mine, we we can try it out. All right. Again, from a perspective of why this makes sense, it does make sense to minimize the amount of crashes when your cargo that you're dropping off lands. Because what can be done is whatever pallet your cargo is on can have a parachute on top of it. And then that helps slow down its descent to earth so that it doesn't just (laughs) crash I'm sure we've all seen the YouTube videos of various Humvees that weren't properly hooked up to the parachute and they just slide right off and go crashing into the into the earth. Actually, no, I haven't seen those and now I'm going to try to. Oh, it's um, it is something else. All right, let's try these Humvee crashing into the ground. Oh, Humvee airdrop fail. Okay, so we see a bunch of parachutes kind of unfurling. A bunch of things are being dropped out of a big-ass airplane. Which, like, you know, is a good point. Like, we can just drop big things out of really big airplanes now. We don't have to, like, tow them behind airplanes. Right. Oh, shit. Oh, oh, one didn't. Oh, no. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So when the parachute opens, works great. When the parachute doesn't open, just whoa. (laughs) Exactly. If the parachute doesn't open or if the parachute opens, but you're behind enemy territory and they shoot it down out of the sky, or if it's just not hooked up properly and slides right out the front, all of this can be very bad. And then you've just destroyed your tank. So I can understand, again, I understand why they would want to put wings onto their tank and glide it safely into enemy territory where it can just hit the ground and go. I mean, I I wholeheartedly agree that there's a lot of things that would be improved if they could fly. But the the real devil in the details is, can you actually make it fly? Not while keeping it a tank, no. (laughs) Again, what you were saying prior to this about if you try to do X and Y, you have a crappy X and a crappy Y. I don't know. They it looks like uh, they're pretty b- good at dropping these Humvees out of airplanes. Out of like a good ten or fifteen in this video that they dropped, they only lost like three or four of them. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, believe me, people lost people lost their jobs over those three or four of them. I guarantee it. <laughs> I mean, is that like when grocery stores like buy bananas or apples? Like they they just know a bunch of them are going to get to the store bruised and they won't be able to sell them. So like, yeah, you you drop twenty Humvees knowing that like fifteen are actually going to make it. Yeah, but with bananas, you get banana bread. With Humvees, you get... You get um, free scrap metal? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I do understand your point that a vehicle being airdropped with a parachute is able to be shot at and, you know, is kind of a target. But what kind of target do you think this tank with a giant pair of fuck-off wings is? (laughs) That's probably pretty easy to hit, too. Also, oh, I hadn't thought about this, but let's say that it was successful. Okay, great. Now you're in the middle of the woods. It's 1940-something or other, and you're trying to sneak up on the Germans. And you're in the woods. You've got these big-ass plane wings. Oh, no. No, no, no. They they, they do take the wings off once they land. Oh, they do. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that makes it a little, a little better, at least. That would be fun if you just like, you know, you're in the French countryside eating your brie and this tank with wings just comes like <laughs> plundering along. <laughs> and then he gets and then the, the driver gets out and is like, hey, do you have any gasoline and bullets? Because I've got none and I've got a war to fight. <laughs> Stealth is not high on that flying tank. Yeah. A good point. Like, are you supposed to hide the wings? Are you supposed to like fold them up, or does you know somebody just stumble onto like a big pile of thrown away wings? Just by counting them, they're like, now we know that there's twelve tanks here. Okay, okay. <laughs> now we know the Russians are here. <laughs> I tried to be empathetic and understand where they were coming from with this desire to make their tanks fly. You know, I think this speaks to something very human, where we all dream of flying and. Even if you're a tank or even if you're a submarine, maybe you want to fly too. Everybody wants to release these shackles of the earth and go into the air. Uh, Just as a peek behind the curtain, I've been asked how I find all of these things and how I do my research. And for this one, I literally started Googling flying and then random other words. (laughs) And man, we hit pay dirt with this one. (laughs) I love that. It's um that is the most scientific way to research. I'm sure the librarians out there are just so happy that your Boolean logic worked. It's not the only way I find these, but it it sure as hell worked for this one. <laughs> My thing is, you know, tanks probably don't need to be combined with airplanes. You know, not everything has to be has to go together. Just be good at being a tank. All right, Brandon, it's that time again. What about the points? Let's start with the submarine. We all live in a flying submarine. (laughs) (laughs) I think the flying submarine gets one point for being easy to make yourself. If, you know, if you wanted to make a model of this, like just buy a model airplane and buy a model submarine and just kind (laughs) of dovetail them together kind of works. And I think it gets another point for, I'd say, maybe it was biologically inspired because there are flying fish. So maybe, you know, maybe we were trying to imitate nature. I like it. I think the submarine gets points for being something that 
tactically speaking, makes sense. If you could make it work, it makes sense that you would want to be able to both dive deep and get the heck out of the water. And I also would give it a point for being something that you could actually potentially make work. It might not look exactly like that, but I think if you if you worked on the submarine part first and then made it fly, I think you could potentially make that work. So maybe now in 2021, the science will have come along that somebody could make it happen. You know what we need? Uh, we need somebody that designs airplanes for a living and somebody that designs submarines for a living. And we will have you both on a future episode of this podcast. And we will get to the bottom of once and for all, what's harder, airplanes or submarines? (laughs) We've totally wasted all of COVID because imagine if the person who's designing submarines and the person designing airplanes were quarantined together for the duration of COVID. We would have a flying submarine by now that's totally functional. I guarantee it. Are you suggesting that the way to invent things is just to lock different experts in a room together and hope that they invent some combination of what they're good at? I mean, if that's how parents get their children to work together and not hate each other again, yeah, sure. I think that it could work with professional engineers. (laughs) You heard it here, folks. Engineers are just like children. (laughs) <laughs> that is not what I said. Oh, no, it's true, though. It's it's very true. All right. All right. So flying tanks. I think the flying tank gets a point for how funny this would have looked to either a bystander or, or the enemy. You know, tactically, it's probably not a good idea because you're left with a lightweight, tiny tank that barely has any weapons on it. But if you're being invaded by a flotilla of flying tanks that are like coming across the the ridge line. Like I'm getting the fuck out of there. <laughs> if I see flying tanks, I'm going, I'm fucking done. I quit the army. <laughs> you might shoot me for desertion, but whatever you can do to me is not going to be nearly as terrifying as what they're planning on doing to me. <laughs> I'm kind of with you on that. That's ty- that's terrifying. If I'm being kind, I would maybe give it a half a point because tactically it makes sense that you would want to get your tanks in in one piece with their crew already inside. But beyond that, I mean, what you're giving up to have the tank fly, the fact that it's not actually flying. Yeah, I just don't see it being, um, it's creative. I'll give them that. (laughs) I'd like to give it another point too because... Let's say you were a civilian in a country that involved a flying tank war. You can drive around, get a free pair of wings after the battle ends, maybe put it on your car, and now you've got a free airplane. Brand new Air Force. <laughs> now that's reduce, reuse, recycle if ever I heard it. Yeah, we, we had to deal with a few years of war, but now that we have Toyota Airlines, <laughs> we can all just fly wherever we want. Okay, Brandon, the grand tally is flying submarines, four, flying tanks, two and a half, because we were kind. Now I am picturing these flying submarines and flying tanks, like, both battling each other. Like, there's, like, a squadron of flying tanks that swoops in, and then, like, a 
squadron of flying submarines pops out of the water and then like from out of nowhere an actual real airplane just swoops in and decimates all of them (laughs) (laughs) flying tanks would be able to shoot behind them and shoot the flying submarines as the flying submarines come up from behind you think maybe if they need extra speed they can shoot the the gun and shoot themselves forward and they'll go faster That worked in video games, so maybe it works in real life. That's it for us here at Points for Trying. And don't forget, if at first you don't succeed, tell us about it.